And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Our final VanCast for the month of July, and we are still talking J.T. Miller, but a little bit of a diversion on the topic. Matthew Kachuk traded. The landscape in the Pacific Division looks entirely different. Thomas Drantz, let's get into that and the impact that it's going to have. And, you know, I know that it happened last week, so we're a little bit late to that, but tough to do an emergency pod in July, isn't it? Especially when I'm out. Especially on a late Friday night. Yeah. Like I was out eating spaghetti. I was walking the dog. Oh, nice. Good for you. You're doing a very Thomas Trance activity. I, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was out at, uh, he's doing well. He's uh, ramping back up after months uh, of injury. He's coming in hot off the IR. And uh, yeah, it's been great. I love it. I love to see him running around being happy. It's the best. God, this is a life I never thought I'd have walking a dog. I know. It's so sweet, especially in the summer, especially in this city. So many good things to do. And in fact, Having gone to Spanish banks yesterday, um, high tide or low tide, excuse me, is a little bit later on Monday morning. So I'm actually going to run off and hit the sandbar immediately after oh. this show. Yeah. Well, I'll be in Granville Island tonight, so that'll be a lot of fun. Luna, meanwhile, she's got to get in shape. This dog's got some work to do. Um, so does Wallace. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially after coming off IR, right? Like four months where, you know, only the last month of which he was able to go for walks, right? His stamina sucks. Guy is out of shape. We're we're gonna be ramping him up all summer. Hey, and I, I look. This is not pot calling the kettle black. I ran four miles this morning, so I feel good about that. No problems good at for all. You. Dog better keep up. Hey, listen. I know everybody didn't want to talk about this during the dog days of summer. You like how I turned that? Um, let's, Nicely done. There you go. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Kachuk deal. And look, for me, my takeaway, and I know the leverage <laughs> points and and so so on are, are different here, but. 
you talk about Brad Tree Living, who had basically been bullied into a corner after Johnny Gaudreau spurns the franchise, Matthew Kachuk spurns the franchise, and I know that he's younger. The club still has some control on him after next year, even though he said, look, I'm not signing here long term. But in 48 hours, he essentially completely altered the fortunes of his franchise. And here we are with the Canucks. We've been talking about this forever, it seems, on the case of JT Miller. They didn't make the move at the trade deadline. They didn't make the move at the draft. And now it looks like they're not going to be in a position to make the move. Let's let's start with the Calgary end of this. How much in the way of bouquets should Brad Tree Living be, taken, uh, be taking and... How does Calgary look like? Are they actually better with Mackenzie Weger and and Jonathan Huberdeau than they are with Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau? It's hard to know, Farhan, because we've never, ever seen an elite defensive team add a top pair quality defenseman the summer after being an elite defensive team. Like the, the Calgary Flames, only only the New York Rangers allowed fewer goals last season and they needed a historic season from a goaltender to do so, right? Like they were not as good defensively as the Flames. The Flames were the best defensive team in hockey last year and now they're bringing back an additional top pair caliber defenseman and, and one who plays both sides in Mackenzie Weger, right? I mean, one of the most unique profiles in hockey. I don't even know what it looks like when a team as as good at locking things down as Calgary adds a player like Uyghur to the mix. Like, I don't even know. I've never seen it before. I can't remember in my lifetime a defensive team of this quality adding a player as good as Uyghur. At the expense um, of Eric Goodbranson. Right. I mean, that upgrade is so mammoth that it's really hard to pick. And, you know, Uyghur is more offensive than defensive, but he's a tremendous rush defender. And so, you know, I, I have this vision of if you put him in the Shillington spot with Chris Tanev and Shillington plays on a third pair with Zadorov, all of a sudden you've got one of the best rush defenders in the league on a pair with one of the best in-zone defenders on the league in the league. I mean, who's who's controlling play against a Tanev Uyghur second pair? Like, good luck. Good fucking luck. Um, and then they add the third highest scoring forward in the league last season <laughs> in the same deal. Um, you know, a lot of people are focusing on what this means for Calgary long-term. If I'm Calgary, I try to lock up Uyghur right now. And I, you know, I have the conversations with Jonathan Huberto, but I, I'm not even too, I'm not too worried about it if I'm the flames. And here's why far on like we've seen the market just get absolutely crushed for scoring wingers. You know, earlier on Friday, we saw Bjorkstrand, Oliver Bjorkstrand, go from Columbus to Seattle for a third and a fourth round pick. Bjorkstrand is 27. He signed for four more years for 5.4 million, and he had 28 goals and nearly 60 points last year. And that player was available for two mid-round picks, right? Max Pacioretty, teams had to pay to get off a player like Max Pacioretty. Jonathan Huberto, the NHL's third leading scorer with one year left on his deal, he was, yes, sure, fine, the biggest piece. In, in a trade for Matthew Kachuk, but he was also just one of four assets included. You know, I mean, the trade value for scoring wingers has just gotten pounded, crushed, murdered over the course of this offseason. And we've only seen nine wingers in the league sign for four million or more. Right. And a lot of those deals are relatively conservative. Right. We have. The seven-year deal for an Andrew Ladd, Milan Lucic, Louis Erickson-type player, those are gone. Those don't exist anymore. Teams do not pay 
for scoring wingers, period, on the trade market. And if I like if you're Calgary and you've got this mush of high end defensive centers, you've got one of the best blue lines in the league, you've got a Vesna winner in net, and your big issue is you lost two scoring wingers. Um, you know, I'm almost of a mind like who cares? Like if you can keep Jonathan Huberto, great. If you can't, you can probably replace him. You might even be able to get paid to replace him. You know, next offseason. Like for for a Flames team where almost all of their best pieces are either in their early 30s or on the uh, late 20s, right? Like Lindholm 28 is the youngest of their best players. You, you can't be worried about like flipping Huberto for additional value. You bring in Huberto, you go for it again this year, and if he walks, you use the cap space to replace him. He's a scoring winger. You can replace those guys. Um, from a Vancouver perspective, too, what's happened to this market, this winger market, is and should be one of the biggest concerns of this offseason because this team has so much money, right? Depending on how you slice it and how you want to count JT Miller, whether you want to describe him as a center or a winger, like the club has between 23 and 30% of their cap space committed to a bunch of wingers, um, you know, some of whom are like all of whom are either late twenties or, or early thirties, um, you know, who now all of a sudden uh, I'm looking at side-eyeing as pieces with distressed value. I mean, in a world where Bjorkstrand goes for a third and a fourth, does Connor Garland really have trade value? Like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. No one's paying for scoring wingers. Uh, this applies too to Pearson. It applies to the new Mikhaev deal. It, it could even apply to JT Miller. Uh, in this world, the Canucks are stuck. Like, how do you change gears when some of your best tradable assets have zero value or soft value around the league? Yeah, it's a frightening thought when you, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, because as you say, I mean, you can replace those guys simply by reallocating resources, right? And I know that the market is so concerned about extracting value, and especially when you consider what they paid to, to get JT Miller, which at the time many people felt was an overpay, regardless of the production Miller actually had in his three years with Vancouver, just because of what was happening at the time and given you know Tampa's situation, it was just like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you pay retail, right? And so... In light of all of that, you have to think that a much more savvy management group could get more, but so much has changed. And if you just look at it from the standpoint of, look, don't spend the $8 million a year on him because there'll be another opportunity to spend that $8 million, you know, and, and improve your team elsewhere. So it certainly changes the dynamics. You'd love to get a piece somewhere along the line for JT Miller, but if you can get that piece, um, or like even half a piece for the sake of argument, and then wind up using that money elsewhere to improve your team, you've still found a way to improve the roster for the same resources. Yeah, I mean, at some point, another thing we've seen is teams have to be willing to lose a trade for the sake of clearing cap flexibility, right? That's the John Marino for Ty Smith and a mid-rounder sort of lesson, right? Teams have to be willing to lose a trade to do something greater to do something bigger and and the Pittsburgh Penguins did that when they revamped their blue line bringing in Jeff Petrie a couple of prospects clearing both Matheson and and um, Marino they had to lose a trade to set up something worthwhile Arizona did it with Vancouver no kidding from a hockey perspective they flat out lost the trade right like let's let's be real totally 
In yeah. fact, they took on complete trash. They allowed the Canucks to clear out their short-term garbage to give themselves long-term flexibility. Well, and Columbus. Columbus lost the Bjorkstrand trade. Yeah, no Yarmo question. and himself describing it as painful. And yet, you know, the ability for that organization to have won the, the Gaudreau sweepstakes, right? And then to be able to retain Patrick Lyonet, even as the man that he was traded for, Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, sort of begins to force his way out uh, in Winnipeg, you know, for, for a team that had the Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne departures all in one summer, right? The ability to retain players that they've flashed over the course of or, or recruit players that they flashed over the course of the summer is well worth the cost of losing a Bjorkstrand for pennies on the dollar. Uh, but make no mistake, they lost Bjorkstrand for pennies on the dollar. You need this is this is the world we live in now. Like Brent Burns returns, you know, a, a mid-tier goalie prospect, and the San Jose Sharks still had to retain, right? Max Pacioretty isn't just available for free. The Carolina Hurricanes got paid to take him on, an additional 24-year-old right-handed defenseman. Like, how does this Canucks team change direction at this point if they're not willing to pay? to free up some cap space. And and given that they're clearly reluctant to do that, they're clearly not going to come out here and lose a trade off the bat, especially especially with the work that's needed to offset this club's reputation as a pushover, right? I mean, there's an extent to which the first few deals that this management group makes need to remind the league that Vancouver's not the team you call anymore when your client wants a home run contract or when you need a steal of a trade, right? Like there's an extent to which the, that's part of this. But do you, like, are you too fixed with a group that, you know, I know there's optimism in this market because of what they did over 60 games with Bruce Boudreaux, but no objective metric seems to share that optimism, right? Like Vegas is fading the Canucks in a major way as a playoff team, right? They're the fifth best team in the Pacific, according to almost every priced out odds and outrights uh, at this point in the offseason. Like, is it going to be acceptable to not fix this organization's biggest glaring flaws like the blue line and then miss the playoffs again next year? Which, you know, I'm not saying is going to happen, but it feels more likely to me than not. Like if I was if I was to gauge it, I'd give it something like 55, 45 percent with the team more likely to miss the playoffs than make them at this point in the offseason. Maybe it's 60-40. But that's sort of the area that they're in. They're kind of a little bit of a long shot here, or at least have somewhat long odds. Like, is that going to work? Is that going to work? Are Are fans going to be okay with being patient, not in terms of, you know, patiently awaiting a team's come up during an aggressive rebuild, but being patient because... What this club needs to wait out is a market that just doesn't value their players. So should, with that said, I mean, whether or not, like JT Miller's got to have some value. You can't look at the numbers and at 29 years of age and look at the completeness of his game. But look at, look at Huberto. I mean, like I get that, but listen. The Huberto lesson tells you everything though, Farhan. Like that they had to was Huberto to move him. But they didn't just have to add. They added. They added top paired defensemen ex- on an expiring deal, a first round pick, and an ELC forward that's basically NHL ready and have forty points in his first AHL season. He's twenty one. Plays center and wing. I mean, like 
you remove Huberto from that package, and it's still a huge package. Like, Huberto was just one piece, one of four assets, maybe the most valuable, but if he was the most valuable, it wasn't by a ton. Um, that's, that's the world you live in now. Now, Huberto's a pure winger. JT Miller at least can claim to be a center, right? I mean, I don't know that every team would buy it, but I don't see how you look at that deal and not be deeply worried. I mean, there's a real chance that JT Miller's value is, you know, very, very much more pedestrian than those of us in Vancouver would like. And then, you know, Canucks management, uh, would prefer, would prefer that I don't see I don't see any way like how how can you pot like what's the offseason deal out there that makes you think JT Miller's value would be higher? I mean, maybe Connor Brown for a second round pick to the Washington. Like there's no there's no template deal out there where a forward has gone for a big haul, even dating back to the trade deadline. And, and you know, from uh, analyzing the Canucks perspective, Farhan, I know I'm uh, going on a rant here. That makes no, me I mean, pretty look, nervous. The, the, the market has kind of bared itself out. Um, so let's talk about options when we come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So there's a couple of options here, Drancer. Number one, some of the teams that they were rumored to have spoken to before the trade deadline, are they viable options? So if you look at a team like Columbus, uh, Jersey, um, you know, they missed out on some of these players uh, you know, we thought that the Islanders had some sort of conversations with the Canucks in and around the draft. You know, we look at Jersey, which is still in the market for a player like this. There's a couple of others. Are they still viable options, even if the market has been driven down? Or should the Canucks just take a different approach here and just say, you know what? If all we can get for JT Miller is a second round draft pick, we're moving on. We will use JT Miller. It makes more sense for us as an organization to do everything we can to move or everything we can to make the playoffs. We're not going to get less for them at the trade deadline than what's currently available. So why not just ride them? And if we get into the playoffs, great. We're just going to say, you know, Miller's going to get us into the playoffs. We'll let him walk at the uh, at the end of the season and we'll use those dollars elsewhere and not sacrifice the opportunity cost. Or if we suck, we'll just trade him. His value is not going to get lower at the trade deadline than what the Huberto deal leads us to believe it currently is. Because like you said, if you had to add to Jonathan Huberto to move him, right, to get a piece like Matthew Kachuk and add significantly, then maybe JT Miller is only worth a second round draft pick at this stage. And if that's well, the, I, yeah. if that's the I case. I think he's worth more than that. But okay, no, but, but, I, like, but, but less than the, less than, I don't think you can get cost-controlled, 
young defenseman that everyone's excited about. Yeah, you know, but, like, but, but I, then I, what's the point, right? Like, if you can't significantly improve your team by moving on from JT Miller and trading him, if you can't significantly imp- improve your team with a meaningful asset that helps you build going forward, because those are the choices, right? Well, it's, the cap space is the meaningful asset. I know, but that's my point, right? Like, those are the choices. That's one. But you're, you're, you're. So, but but I'm if saying you, that if, if you'd if you dealt Miller if you dealt Miller earlier this summer if you dealt Miller earlier this summer for you know some some pieces that weren't hitting your books even if it was defense prospect you don't love and really good draft pick right like a first round pick if, if you'd done that deal earlier this summer and then not signed Ilya Mikhaev and then you're sitting here in this market right now with ten million in cap space. I think there's going to be opportunities between now and the start of the season to get absolutely free good players. Like you could have had Bjorkstrand. You could have had, you know, I'm not going to be surprised to see a body like Alex Kerfoot move, right? Like you're going to have options because teams are going to need to clear space between now and the start of the season. And those are the deals where you can significantly upgrade your team. Like, People forget, but Christian Erhoff wasn't acquired until September 17th, right? When the New York Islanders swung those trades for Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk, it was October 4th. Like, if you have cap space, there is an opportunity to buy late into the season from teams with cap issues. And the Canucks aren't going to be in that market. To me, that's a missed opportunity. But you like, could to wait, me, that's though, a missed right? opportunity. Like, you, you could still wait until next season because if you're feeling sure. is, look, we we could we will move on from Tyler Myers next offseason. We'll move on from JT Miller next offseason. And that'll be the year that we've got significant cap, cap flexibility and take advantage of those assets. Well, but there, I mean, that's what it's going to take to have significant cap flexibility, though. Like the Canucks, the only expiring deals that the Canucks have that are significant on the books at the moment are Horvat and Miller. Like neither player's expiry and reallocation makes you better, right? I mean, both guys deserve a raise or would need a raise if you're gonna keep them. So, you know, you're gonna you're gonna need to be at that level to clear cap space. I don't think this club, if you're going to keep JT Miller as an own rental beyond the deadline, you better be one or two in the Pacific. You better be competing for the top of the division with a reasonable shot at winning a round or two. Like Demko has to be having a Vesna quality season and you have to be logically thinking like, hey, when you, we have a goalie on this type of heater, how, how often does that happen, right? With all of this stuff going our way, this is the moment. Like it's, if you're keeping JT Miller, you better be adding. You better be rebuilding your blue line in midstream. You better be doing the Josh Manson trade. Like you better be buying. You better be good enough that you're buying and everyone says that makes sense. If you're not going to monetize Miller at the deadline, it feels like a huge bet on not just Miller's health, not just the fact that Miller can sustain his performance to the point uh, from last season to the point where he has higher trade value then. Um, But also, but also he has to bring in more value at that stage. than what the cap space now could provide you. And I'm, I'm skeptical of that. You know, like if this team, even if this team had lost the JT Miller trade, but turned around and done the Bjork stand trade, um, excuse me, Bjork strand trade, like, wouldn't we be calling that a win? Well, at this stage, yeah, given the current context, we should, but let's quickly talk a bit about some of the other possibilities. Do you see any of these teams that are being mentioned 
um, you know, led by the Islanders and the Devils as legitimate possibilities at this stage for JT Miller? Do you think there's real interest there at this stage? Well, I don't know if you saw my colleague Kevin Kerr's link the um, New York Islanders to Nazem Kadri. I did, yes. But I think that's, I think that's you know, in the drawer. So, um, you know, then I does don't Colorado think, I don't know. become a viable option for Miller? Maybe in midseason? You know, they have cap space. If, if they've lost out on Kadri, he seems like the perfect replacement as like a one-year guy. Um, you know, but again, uh, w- w- are the Avalanche going to part with major assets? Do they even have major assets that would, I- I- you know, entice you? Like, do they even have one of those sort of like quad A guys, guys pushing to make the league that even makes sense for the Canucks to target? You know, I don't know that the Avs are a perfect trading partner. Nashville was sort of linked, but they just signed Nino Niederreiter. They still have some cap space. I guess you could see it. But man, I don't know. I don't know how this deal happens without Vancouver taking a bad contract back. You know, and, and I think that might be the answer. That might be the answer. You want full value. You probably have to take bad money back. If it's one year worth of bad money to take back completely worth it at this stage, like you say, if it means you get that value. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. I'm I'm the idea of hanging on to Miller, I think, creates a situation where the club is taking on a level of risk that far exceeds my tolerance uh, just as an analyst. Right. Just analyzing it. I think the team takes on far too much risk um, proceeding in this manner. Now, you know. Jim Rutherford's been around a long time, right? Uh, he's ultimately at the top of this hockey operations department. I, I'm sure, um, you know, y- you got to give you got to give us the benefit of the doubt, or at least some measure of the benefit of the, of the doubt, to someone who's been around as long as as Rutherford and has stared down a, a fair number of executives and agents around the league. Um, but I think this is a risky maneuver to. Hold firm to the value of all of these players to return the same group with no blue line upgrades. Um, I just think the club's taking on a ton of risk, both in terms of what a JT Miller reta- uh, return could look like, uh, in terms of the missed opportunities that I think they'll, you know, be unable to play play in, like the markets they won't be able to play in over the over the ensuing two months. Uh, and then and then, you know, it's a huge bet on the functionality of this organization, right? Like, can this organization make a healthy decision if you're 10th in the Pacific, but only four points out of the wildcard spot? Like they did it last year with Tyler Mott. That's a good sign. But we all know uh, in this market, and I think quite rightly are a little bit skeptical about this organization's ability, not not Rutherford's ability, this organization's ability to think long term in the in those circumstances. And, yeah. AKA you know, that, that makes me it makes it, me know, pretty nervous, man. Yeah, for no question. I mean, it, like when you look at ownership, it, if it gets to that scenario, like you talk about their 10th four points back and the owner can sense that playoff payday, um, they'll find a way to justify a short term decision and not move on and, and glean any assets. Um, as we look at the division, can you think about a more roller coaster of emotion in 48 hours for the city of Calgary? That you have gone from like pure trash to being emotionally spurned, your franchise in a complete rebuild after pure moving- trash. What's that? <laughs> pure trash. Like, am I am I wrong? 
right? Like you've got to be feeling like, holy cow, like we can never draft an American again. And what's wrong with us? Do people not love us? Why can't we have nice things? Uh, we we got to get the arena fixed because nobody wants to play in that dump and like all of it. And next thing you know, you're you might be a better team. <laughs> I loved how in one Calgary's analysts were. It was so good last week. Like it was so good. The interviews were so good. There was this like simmering outrage. Um, evident and then this insistence that this wasn't just a Calgary problem but like the Maple Leafs better be wary with Austin Matthews and on and on and it's just like you know shut up the Canucks the Canucks are in a similar situation basically like JT Miller could exercise his pre-agency in a similar way to what Kachuk did right if he really wanted to orchestrate his exit it wouldn't be hard to do so right I'm not signing with you he wants to be here he'd be happy signing an extension he, well, for sure. I mean, and maybe and maybe the Canucks have to pay a premium for it, but it's not a no, no matter what. Right. There's not if the Canucks give JT Miller a blank check. Guess what? He's going to stay. Right. The idea that this a blank was a check, he will stay at a fair market deal. He's just not going to give the Canucks a discount. He will sure, stay but at a fair, a fair market, market, a deal. fair market deal for a ninety nine point center winger. is basically a blank check. I mean, there's no way there's no way that a fair market deal for a player like that isn't, you know, six or seven years long. Oh, it's more than and that. I don't, and it's going to be eight and a half million. Like we get that. But ultimately, like Calgary was giving that to either one of those players. Oh, totally. Of course. I'm just saying I'm just saying I didn't I don't buy that. This was a um, like there are not lessons in this for Toronto and Vancouver. No. Right. There might be lessons in this for Winnipeg. And Edmonton. Um, but I don't. I don't, I don't even know if there's lessons in this for Edmonton. You've got Connor McDavid and you've got the arena and it's a different dynamic there too. They're keeping their guys. Still Edmonton. Let me, let me, I, let I me, know, let me know. know, when there's know. A, let me know when there's a stud American that you've got to make that decision with. Yeah, fair, fair. That's a good point. Anyway, I don't think it's a Canada wide problem. I thought this was a pretty specific Calgary thing. I thought true living pulled a, pulled a rabbit out of a hat. And I still think the flames are poised to be the best team in the Pacific like I, I it's going to be them or Vegas I think right now the the bookies are favoring the Edmonton Oilers in the Pacific I get it but I think it's going to I think Edmonton belongs in a tier below Calgary and Vegas still I agree and then and then you know I think Vegas is a little too high um, which is funny because I've been the biggest LA Kings but booster right um, I think Vegas is a little too high on the Kings and probably a little too low on the Canucks, like the Canucks being 11 to one to win the division in a world where the L.A. Kings are four and a half to one to win the division. That feels that feels like like I fade the Kings at that price and I'd find the Canucks to be somewhat um, compelling, even if I'd far prefer, you know, uh, the, the four to one odds of the Calgary Flames. Like that's that's the real steel value. But. 11 to one for the Canucks to win the division feels low. Like they have Demko. No one else has Demko. That alone makes it worth, you know, a, a well, shot. Cal- Calgary's got, Mar- more Calgary's got Markstrom. Yeah, I get it. I'm uh, for sure. But, you know, Vancouver has Demko. <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? Well, you're just you're just thrown. You're just thrown by my praise for a Canucks player. <laughs> no, no, but like you know, you've had similar praise over the years for Markstrom, right? So I'm just saying, like you know, certainly no, Cal- for sure. Calgary's but got Calgary, a Calgary has as well, along with Calgary a, a has Markstrom team. Yeah, Calgary has Markstrom and other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the Canucks have Demko and some really and and a really really good first power play unit. 
That's where I feel confident about Vancouver. That's about it. Yikes. So how quiet are you? Exp- well, okay. So, so let's last thing before we go. Uh, we touched on it there. Um, a blank check and JT Miller stays. Harm did an article late last week about the his interview with uh, with JT Miller's agent, and they talked about the fact that there is a path to an extension. Like he didn't make it sound like yeah. it was a ridiculous path. That there is although, a reasonable path to an extension. Although Alvin noted that the Canucks had given him what they considered to be a pretty hefty offer on draft week, right? So sure, but as this situation continues to unfold, and you go from thinking you can mine meaningful multiple assets for a player of that quality to now all of a sudden the Jonathan Huberto tell, deal tells you that no, no, uh, you might get an asset, but you're going to have to take some stuff on in order to make that work. Um, does all of a sudden that change your appetite and now all of a sudden you're willing to take off a bigger bite and say, okay, we'll give you a little bit more. Like we'll give you the seventh year and we'll get you, you know, we'll get you to eight and a half. Well, you know, I, I come back to what, what I said on the podcast last week, which is that if the Canucks are trying to stare down the rest of the league and outweigh the market for a player like Miller, that doesn't make sense to me. That's a very, very bad bet. And I have enough regard for Alvin and Rutherford's intelligence to believe that that's not what they're doing. Now, if the bet is that we can wait out Miller's appetite to take on risk by playing the last year of his deal rather than signing, you know, rather than taking 40 million guaranteed over five years, right? That's that's a big bet for JT Miller, right? Like if if you're at the eve of the season, does five times eight become an awful lot more appealing to Miller than it than it is at this point in the offseason. Like when you're really thinking about the grind of 82 games and the risk of injury and the possibility of hitting the market next year as a, you know, 85 point player as opposed to a 99 point player. Right. Is that is that the moment where you might get the best contract outcome? Well, that's a bet that I don't hate for the Canucks. Like that's a bet that makes sense to me. And so using sort of just Occam's razor, not not reporting anything. Just just thinking my way through it. That feels to me like what the bet has to be. The bet has to be based on maybe we can keep this guy at, at a term and uh, number we like if we're just willing to hold on for another 10 weeks here. Yeah, you know, and, and honestly, for me, seeing that deal, I I think the Canucks need to consider doing what they didn't want to do previously, right? Like they talked about not wanting to take on, uh, you know, A, not give up sweeteners, but B, not take on. Uh, you know, bad money. And and I think they might need to revisit that if it means getting meaningful assets that you suck that up for a year. Or I, I don't think it's a horrible thing. Like if right now you're, you're only, the only thing you're getting back is a second round pick. Wait, wait. And it, that price is not coming down at the deadline. Now you might not have the balls to move them if you're right on the bubble, but I like, I don't think it's a horrible decision to wait if the asset value has come down so far Based on the Uberdo deal, but yeah, I I just my concern is my concern is the risk you take on, and you know I'd add one other thing, which is that JT Miller soaks up so much opportunity for the Canucks that you know to some extent not moving him on is going to restrain the value of some of your other assets, right? Like if Miller is dealt, you also open up a ton of power play touches for a player like Besser, and then can you enhance Besser's value, and what does that mean? in terms of your ability to change over the roster 24 months from now. Uh, same story with Garland. Um, you know, do, does keeping Miller lock you in 
to a core that, you know, has missed the playoffs the last two years, um, materially, even beyond the logic of whether or not he's extended, right? D- does it become harder and harder to change directions in the way that this club, in my opinion, probably needs? I say yes. And that would be part of, you know, how I price in the risk that the Canucks are taking as a result of their, you know, perhaps commendable and maybe it pays off and I, I'm going to give them at least some of the benefit of the doubt that they're, they've got a plan here, but um, the risk is just really, really high. And, uh, you know, to repeat what I said earlier, exceeds my tolerance, um, the way that they're decided to play, not just, not just the Miller situation either, but like across the board, keeping this group together, doubling down on this roster, which, you know, sure, Sure, you've got to hold value. You don't want to lose a trade necessarily, but that's that's what they've done. That's what they've done in effect. And boy, I think that's I think that's unsatisfactory for me as I gauge their work. You know, three weeks into their first off season at the helm of this team. Yeah, my gut's telling me somehow a contract is going to get done. I, like I, I just see that as as where this is headed. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, and that and that too, and that too. I mean, look, maybe you win the deal, um, maybe you get a, a term and a dollar value you like, but how are you improving this defense core around? You know, when you've got Miller and Horvat, and you know Pedersen's next deal is going to be higher, and Hughes, and and you know throwing Demko. Like once those players combine to make forty million it becomes really, really hard to build a championship caliber supporting cast around them. Um, I don't know. I, I, it feels, it feels like the team's going to end up constructing one of those clubs. That's good enough that it's hard to explain why it's not good enough. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, Like, like one of those classic 95 to 105 point teams. That's, you know, 14th best in the league, 12th best in the league, but, isn't really a threat to win more than a round ever uh, that I, I, you know, I want better. I want better for this market. And that's just my view of it. All right. Well, on that note, uh, I uh, encourage you to enjoy the rest of July. There's not much time left. We've got a good long weekend coming up next weekend and hopefully you can help get Wallace into shape. Yeah, no, I'll be working on it. And this is going to be our last fan cast for a bit, right? Yeah. If there's a, if there's a trade or a big Miller extension, perhaps we'll, we'll jump in. And, um, you know, we'll share some plans for the, for the future of this podcast at some point later in the summer. So, uh, for now, goodbye to our listeners and thank you for sticking with us throughout this season. Uh, congrats on your first tour, your first year, uh, with the VanCast. I loved working with you, my man. We even learned not to talk over each other by the end. So, a uh, huge win. And, and how'd that Mariners series against the Strohs go, by the way? Pretty, like, about as well for the Mariners oh. as the Blue Jays series went oh. for, because I haven't had a chance to talk to you about that. Sorry. Look, the, the, the Blue Strohs, Jays series went the Strohs against are the awesome. Red Sox? The Strohs are awesome. The Red Sox are trash. We know this. The, the <laughs> Strohs beat the Yankees the last couple of games before they came out west to, to the, the suburbs of British Columbia to play the Mariners. And I'm just glad. I'm just glad you enjoyed the short-lived moment where it looked like the Mariners were, were a playoff team. Hey, I, I'm, you glad you, they, I'm glad you, you, know you, I'm glad you, you mind. You said I'm glad you mind full value from that streak because 
Regression sucks. You said at the start of the year, this is going to be a good team. <laughs> Julio Rodriguez was injured for this Houston series. And the fact that they play Houston seven out of 10 coming out of the break is pretty meaningful versus that soft Blue Jay team's soft schedule. So please, <laughs> when we talk again in August, uh, we're going to see that that all is right in the world and the Mariners are in the thick of it. And the best part is T-Mobile was jumping and I don't have to hear Blue Jay fans talk out of their ass about how, oh, yeah, they only come when the Blue Jays play. No, no, no. There are fans in no, Seattle. No. They also they also, they also, also come when the team has won an unsustainable 14 in a row. Well, or 20. Congratulations. Uh, 20, 22 out of congratulations 25, to the, which shows congratulations where Congratulations to the proud sports city of Seattle. 20, <laughs> 22 out of 25. It was a much longer run than 14. When yeah, Rodriguez yeah, yeah. is healthy again, oh, because he what hit eighty one homers in the in the All Star game. I should have won was... the All Star game. Give me a yeah, break. I, the, 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 the they need to revamp. They need to revamp the home run derby. Like the idea that Julio Rodriguez didn't win when he hit like twenty more homers than um, than Soto is ridiculous. I it I, it will never make sense to me. Like he'd literally hit twice as many home runs just to make the final. Exactly. It, it makes no sense. MRI no sense. results were positive. He'll be back very quickly, and the Mariners ship will right itself uh, in an upward direction again, and we will all nope. be going to games to Seattle. Nope, but you tell yourself that. we. Well, I, I am. <laughs> I, I will speak it into existence, my friend. Anyway, listen, uh, absolutely been enjoyable. Uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. We will talk in August when the next step happens on the JT Miller journey, and we have to do an emergency pod. Fingers crossed. Be well. All right, and we should, uh, again, let you know that um, we want you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Please do not forget to leave a rating and a review. Uh, We will, again, have some bonus episodes when there's fresh content. Right now, you can get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash Vancast. For Drancer, for Wallace, for Luna, I'm Farhan. Thanks for listening.